This is the Storyteller. I'm back with a new episode. Part 1. A Church Girl's Story. Thank you for listening. This story is about someone that you might know. Someone you've heard about. Or perhaps it's your own story that you dare not tell. So let me tell it to you and let me tell it for you because I am the storyteller. So sit back, relax, and listen to the story, a church girl's story. And as you probably remember, one of my old sayings, if the shoe fits, slide your feet down in it and wear it well. If this shoe is not for you, then re-gift it to someone that you know and love. A disclaimer that I would like to make is that none of the scripture that I use is for your private interpretation. It is the word of God. And the word does not need any support. It's powerful enough to stand alone. So let's talk. She just began to talk. And I was also ready to listen. Jolene said, that it had been years since she walked away from the church. She said, no, let me make a correction. I didn't just walk away from the church, she said. I ran as fast as I could with a mind never to go back to the church at all. I laughed and said to myself, this right here is going to be a real good story about a church girl. I wondered also, what hurt her? What kind of church hurt did she experience? I had been told by many people that church hurt is the worst kind of hurt. She continued to talk. Yeah. I ran away from the church. And I told myself that if I ever did go back, it would be to a less judgmental church. A quieter, calmer, less restricting environment. And for sure, less Holy Ghost driven. That's what I told myself, she said. I looked at her face and I could tell that she was serious. She said it again. I am so done with all things Holy Ghost. I laughed to myself. 
all things Holy Ghost? You are done with the Holy Ghost? But I didn't say anything. I let her talk. She said, I want a church where I could just hide and just be myself. That's what I would like to have, she said. Whoever and whatever myself was. And there would be no one to tell me about my sins. Although my sins by now, she said, were more than I dreamed humanly possible. Especially being a church girl. There were many sins. And I was still very young. But my sins had become as the sand upon the seashore. I laughed. I didn't laugh out loud. But I knew that she was a church girl, for real. Who talks about the sand upon the seashore? That was Bible stuff, I said to myself. She said, My sins are many. She said, but they had sins too. The difference is that church girls often have many hidden sins because they've learned how to mask their sins with head coverings and veils and little cute hats, long dresses. No makeup, at least not on Sunday. Church girls are good at masking. Well, if I did go back to church, it would be totally different. It would not be a place where people could look at me eyeball to eyeball and could accurately pinpoint what I was doing, when I did it, and with whom I did it with. Oh, and especially how I did it. (laughs) Wow. If they only knew just how many ways I had learned to do my do, they would have called me out before the whole church and cast that nasty demon out of me. Oh, you best believe. There were some people in my Holy Ghost Church that could tell me what I was doing, where I went to do it. The people at my church, some of them, they knew stuff. It was what they did. They could smell a demon a mile away. And their one mission was to cast them out, not play with them. People today play with the, de- with the devil. They didn't play. They didn't sing to him. They didn't hug you with the devil inside of you. They would run a chain around you, and before you knew it, you were on the ground, on the floor flat out in a chair, screaming and crying, I'm free. Thank you, Jesus. I'm free. Trust and believe. 
some of the people at my church, they didn't wear head coverings for nothing. They were not tearing all night for nothing. They meant business. She looked at me. Yeah. They meant business for other folk. But not their own sinful, secret business. And yet, as strong as they were, and as powerful as they were, I really couldn't understand why no one did anything about my nastiness. She looked at me as if she wanted me to respond, but I didn't. I guess, she said, maybe they supposed that they were not led to stop what was my path. I guess. Maybe they were not led to stop my journey that I had to travel, my cross to bear, my testimony to eventually share. Otherwise, Knowing them the way that I did, they would have cast out that every nasty, foul, demonic spirit that had gained influence over me. But they left me alone. They left me to my own personal journey. Jolene looked at me hard. I think she was still waiting for me to respond. But I just listen. I've always been a good listener. I knew that listening was important. Jolene continued. She said, I grew up in and around an apostolic, sanctified, holiness, Pentecostal, Church of God in Christ, you're going to hell if you don't speak in tongues environment. I said to myself, That was a mouthful. She continued on. All of my classmates and close friends grew up the same way. We took great pride in saying that we cut our teeth on holiness. Holiness as a lifestyle. I mean, we literally cut our teeth on holiness. I'm serious, she said. We learn about it as knee babies. A knee baby is someone that's slightly older than a baby. Sometimes they're called a lap baby because they're still not steady on their little legs. She said, yeah. We bounced on our mother's lap But when we heard the music, we would jump down and shake our little baby booties for a while and then crawl back up on our mother's lap. And a lot of the children would take their place right on her breast and suckle for a while until the music came back on. We didn't know what we were raising our hands about. We didn't know what we were clapping our little hands about. But we would lift our hands up and clap them and wave our hands 
and shake our little baby booties because that's what we saw and that's what we did. That's what I mean by we cut our teeth on holiness or at least what we thought was holiness. The kids were too young to say hallelujah. They would say hallelujah, hallelujah, and they shake their hands like they had baby Holy Ghost. And when the young ones crawled down from their mother's lap, that's when the mother would use that time to take their very fast laps around the church. They ran so fast. We were told that they were praising God for something that he had done for them. Then another mother would pick up a child and bump that child on her lap for a while until the running mother either ran out of breath or the Holy Ghost lifted up off of her. (laughs) She said, don't you just love that Holy Ghost phraseology? Holy Ghost lifted up off of her. I laughed to myself. I laughed, number one, because she didn't think that I knew about that term. Jolene smiled as she talked about her church and her upbringing. She said, listen, you know you are a true holy roller, Pentecostal, sanctified holiness, apostolic church of God in Christ, saint, Because we're the only ones that I know that talk about the Holy Ghost lifting up off of you. Don't you just love it, she asked. I looked at her and smiled. Talking about the Holy Ghost and talking about her church and how she grew up. It seemed to take away the sadness from her face. And she talked about baby Holy Ghost, how they ran. She seemed so happy. My heart broke because the very thing that she seemed to love was also the very thing that she hated as well. The very thing that hurt her. Jolene asked me if all of this sounded weird to me. I laughed and I said, not at all. I said, I'm Holy Ghost filled as well. At least I didn't say it out loud. I said it to myself. Because this was her story, not mine. I didn't comment that much. I just took notes of her story. Of her sad, very sad story. I said to her, continue to talk. I knew that the talking was good for her. She was quiet for a long time. I just rubbed her hand. 
I felt the tears well up in my eyes. My heart was breaking for her. I wondered to myself, why did church hurt her like that? Why were her feelings so mixed about the church? The church that she loved. The place where love is supposed to reside. Finally, she said to me, I both loved church and hated it. I love the fellowship of the saints coming together to fast and pray and tarry for the Holy Ghost. I love the sound of the tambourines and the precision dancing. Everybody can't play the tambourine. Some people just shake the tambourine. But then there were some others who mastered it and made it like musical art that made us smile. She said when they played that tambourine, it was like something straight from heaven, she said. When their artistic, anointed ones knocked that tambourine, she said it so loud. We really didn't need any other music. We just danced to the sound of the knocking of the tambourine. She began to mimic it with her hands. Because, of course, we didn't have a tambourine. As kids, we could pick up the dance faster than we could learn reading, writing, and arithmetic. It was as if we all came out of the womb with dancing feet. I love the way the preacher delivered the words, she said. They all had a way where they would preach a little, then sing a little, then dance a little. Then they would give a command, sit down, sit down. Y'all sit on down now. You're pushing me. And I'm not trying to go there yet. I looked at her face. Boy, she had memories. And boy, were they good memories. And man, oh man, was she hurt. I looked up toward heaven. And I said, Lord, I don't understand. She loved church. She hated church. She loved the people. She hated the people. She loved the preacher and how he preached. And yet she hated it. She sat quietly for a minute. And then she whispered what she had just said. The preacher would preach a little then sing a little. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. And then he would dance a little. Then he would give a command. Sit down, sit down. Sit down. Y'all sit on down. You're pushing me now. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, Jesus. I'm not trying to go there yet. She said to me, they wouldn't sit down because the musician was on that Hammond organ and he couldn't stop. Couldn't stop, wouldn't stop. And neither did the preacher. So by that time, the preacher had already left the pulpit and was dancing all over the church. Husbands and wives dancing together, holding hands, dancing in unison. She asked me, have you ever seen river dancing? I responded, yes, I have. She said, well, river dancing had nothing on us. You talk about precision dancing. The oldest mother of the church to the youngest baby in the church was up dancing with precision timing. Some would hunch their backs and dance, while others would just put one hand on their hips. Some would just slide and rock from side to side like a spinning top. Some could move their feet so fast it would make you dizzy. Sometimes, she said, it would look like they were in a contest, one trying to outdo the other. But when they began to praise God and speak in tongues, she turned to me. Do you know about tongues? Have you ever heard about tongues? I just nodded, but I was smiling inside. She said, when they began to speak in those tongues, I knew they were not in a contest. But I really didn't care if they were. I just loved watching them. I loved it, she said. I just loved it. I quickly took my tissues out of my bag because I could tell that she was about to cry. She cried real tears. She didn't care. She didn't mind. She needed to. I dabbed her eyes for her. Although I like that atmosphere, she said, I quickly learned that the trickery, I quickly learned the trickery of the preachers. Though they said, sit down, sit down, sit down. Y'all sit on down. They really didn't mean for us to sit down. That was just what I call a preacher's phrase lie. Preacher shenanigans. The first time I heard him say, stop that, stop that. Y'all sit down, sit down, sit, 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 sit. I actually obeyed and sat down. But I noticed that I was the only one sitting. So I realized early, very early, too early, that preachers and pastors played games in God's house and in God's pulpit. My friends laughed at me for sitting. Even my parents laughed at me. My mother actually laughed until she cried. She said, baby, (laughs) pastor didn't really mean for us to sit down. 
that was just something that real good preachers say to get the church riled up. So I turned to my mother and I said, but that was a lie, wasn't it? She never answered me. My father looked scared to death at the thought that I would press them for an answer. My father didn't like preachers that much. He really didn't like holiness, at least holiness churches for that matter. My father just loved his family and wanted to make us happy. He grew up in a Baptist environment. I overheard him one night telling a relative that he missed the civilized service of his Baptist church. (laughs) Civilized service. That's what he called it. I kept repeating that phrase over and over again in my head. Civilized service. I didn't press my dad for an answer about the sit, sit, sit thing, about the preacher's lie. But I did press my mother. He was just lying when he said, sit down. Why would he lie, Mama? Is it all right for him to lie? Because he's a preacher and a pastor. Remember, he teaches us never to lie. And so do you, Mama. That lie didn't sit well with me because I saw it as playing games, playing church. Mama used to say, and I reminded her, that people who played games in the house of God was living shilly-shally. That was her word. So I said to her, Wasn't that being shilly-shally, Mama? Because if that wasn't shilly-shally, I don't know what was. Mama looked mean and hard at me. And we never spoke of the lie again. I could tell that she didn't like that I asked her, that I pressed her. I could also tell that she didn't like that I knew that it was a lie. I found out much later that there was also a preacher on television with a very long Jerry curl that did the same thing. So obviously, it was a preacher's lying thing, like Mama said, to get the people riled up just to get them riled up. Anyway, that was on Sunday. But we were back Tuesday for the Bible study, Wednesday for tearing service, Friday for healing and deliverance, delivering demons, 
deliverance of demons were cast out that night more than any other time except for Sunday. Who would deliver the demons from them? I wondered to myself. I wanted to ask Mama again. Were those demons that made them do that? Was there a demon in the in the pastor and in the preachers? I knew it would make her cry. And I didn't want to make her cry. I wanted answers. Sunday service. Back on Tuesday for Bible study. Wednesday for Taryn services. Friday for healing and deliverance. Where demons were cast out on that particular night. More than any other night. Well, except for Sunday, of course. They cast out demons on Sunday. But not like Friday nights. On Friday nights, the church would be packed. Since no demons were being cast out in the Baptist and the Methodist churches at that time, they would do a Nicodemus move and sneak in after dark with their children, their husbands, and other family members, coming in for deliverance to get the demons cast out. By day, they called us strange and weird. Holy rollers, they called us. But on Friday nights, they were all in. The weird talking holy rollers had the remedy, and they wanted it. They needed it, actually. <laughs> On Friday nights, they didn't mind us speaking in that jibber-jabber, as they like to call it. They came in to hear us speaking jibber-jabber, because they wanted the demons cast out of their family members. They talked against the anointing oil. But on Friday nights, they didn't mind that the anointing oil was being poured all over them. They held their hands up and closed their eyes as if they were saying, Oil me all over. Anoint me everywhere. Sometimes the prophet would have them drink a little oil. Those Baptists and Methodists, they didn't care if they drank the whole bottle. All they wanted was for that demon to be delivered from them. Now, they wouldn't call it deliverance. They never called it deliverance. But they came in with their hands up, with fear in their eyes, along with anticipation. They would get their deliverance, but wouldn't tell their friends how they got it or which church they got it from. They kept that between them, God, and the devil. On Friday nights, the Baptist kids didn't giggle and point at us like they normally did. They just wanted to be free of nightmares and free of terrorizing parents and terrorizing bullies at school. They didn't care on Friday nights what kind of language we spoke, as long as that language said freedom. Many times they got filled with the Holy Ghost 
and left speaking in their new heavenly language. But at school, they ignored us when they were with their friends. They were too afraid to speak ill of the Holy Ghost by now, but they were still not brave enough to befriend us or defend us. When other other kids laughed at us, even though they were just at our church that Friday, they still would not defend us in front of their friends. In fact, they would laugh with their friends about us. They called us foaming at the mouth weirdos or rolling down the hill holy rollers. That's what they said. She said, I would have beat them. I wanted to hurt them because they were liars. They were pretenders too just younger. The thought that they would come in to get what we had on Friday nights and then mock us on Mondays. Talked about us with their friends. Made us to look weird and strange and crazy. She kept repeating, foaming at the mouth, weirdos, rolling down the hill, holy rollers, they said. What we had was special. What we did in our church was special. Now it was being tainted. The preachers tainted it. The pastors that came in from out of town tainted it. The children tainted it. The adults tainted it. Because they live they live one thing and did a something did something totally different in church. They talked about a new thing. God is doing a new thing. But so were they. They were doing what I called a new thing. A double life. Living a double life. Then came Saturday. She was quiet. I said, Jolene, do you want to stop? Would you like to stop for a while? I ordered something to drink. She said, I would like to have a Coca-Cola. I ordered a Coca-Cola and some fries for her. Would you like a hamburger? I asked her. She said, no. Just something light. She said, I need to keep talking. 
The food came. She put her head back. I wanted to put my arms around her, but she put her hands up. She said, I'm fine. I just need to talk. She took a sip of her drink and she began to talk. She started up again. She said, then came Saturday. Saturday was choir rehearsal, which I always loved. She began to sing a little song. The Lord is blessing me right now, oh, right now. (laughs) She laughed. She clapped her hands. Her voice was beautiful. She said on Saturdays, we learn new songs. We knew most of the well-known choirs that were singing because listening to the choirs was our life. We stayed on top of the new songs that came out because that was the only music that we listened to. And we were fine with that because we loved church. We loved singing, we loved dancing. We loved to hear preaching. We loved visiting with other churches that were like us. We were young, but even at choir rehearsal, we would sing ourselves happy. (laughs) I looked at her, how how happy she was. I said, Lord, what am I supposed to feel for her? I said, this is me talking within myself. I didn't say anything to her because my job was to listen and take notes. Her face lit up. Her eyes were just dancing. She said, we sang ourselves happy. We were young. And here we were. We sang a little, this was on Saturday, she said. When other kids were going to the movies and shopping and being with their boyfriends, here we were in choir rehearsal. We sang and sang. We sang a little and danced a little, spoke in tongues a little. Some even got filled with the Holy Ghost right there in choir rehearsal. Some even got demons cast out of them right there in choir rehearsal. We loved it. We loved it all. I loved it all. Not only did we fall in love with Jesus, but some of us, fell in love with our boyfriends and girlfriends right there in our church. Everything we did involved the church. Everything we did, we did it together. We had all things in common. The Baptists and the Methodist kids were not carrying on like that. So we stayed with our own kind. Our own kind. They call us the crazy holy rollers. We didn't mind being crazy holy rollers. We loved it. We didn't wear makeup. We didn't wear short dresses. But we had the fun time of our lives being in the house of God, she said. So that being said, 
Why did I leave what I said I loved? She said, I'll tell you that story when we meet again. I was thinking to myself the same thing she had just said. If you loved it like that, Jolene, why did you leave it? If it caused your eyes to dance the way they're dancing right now, why did you leave it? Why didn't you stay and fight? Why didn't you pray your way through it? Why did you walk away from it? I thought to myself. But then I remembered. The hatred for what she saw that was hypocritical. The hypocrisy of what she saw in her beloved church, among her beloved saints, caused her not to just walk away, but it caused her to run as fast as she could from her Holy Ghost church that she loved. Stay tuned for part two of a church girl story. Thank you for listening. I am the storyteller. Thank you.